guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast ranking every horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? I have gone into the uh, insular world of soundtrack collecting. Ooh. And Ryan, it gets deep and dark very quickly. <laughs> so wait, describe this to me. Like, what, what, what kind of what kind of soundtracks are we talking here? So I recently picked up Ennio Morricone's score to The Exorcist 2. Whoa, that's a fucking deep cut. It is insane. <laughs> Holy shit. So, I mean, honestly, I feel like what happened with The Exorcist movies is I saw The Exorcist and was like, wow, that's a pretty good movie. I saw Exorcist 2, forgot everything about it immediately because my brain was trying to protect itself from itself. And then Exorcist 3 is the best of the three of those movies. Yeah, so Ennio Mor- Morricone is, you know, a world-renowned Italian composer, made, you know, crucial themes to, like, every Clint Eastwood movie. Of course, um, yeah. Wait, did didn't he do the, the soundtrack did... for The Thing? The Thing, yeah, exactly. Which is, like, my that's my immediate frame of reference, is that he did the best horror score ever outside of, like, Halloween. Yeah. So um, he did the best horror score ever, and then he did <laughs> The Exorcist 2, <laughs> which Holy is shit. mostly ambient electronic blurbles and blips with, like, distorted opera uh, solos. You know what? God fucking bless. That movie is such a shambolic little uh, mess that I feel like that's what it kind of sounds like is just a collection of garbled bleeps and some singing. Like, that movie is one of those, I think it might be one of the worst sequels of all time is The Exorcist 2. So this whole craze of uh, collecting uh, film soundtracks has gotten pretty uh, buck wild. Every uh, record company is rushing to put out new releases. Hmm. Uh, The Ocean's Eleven soundtrack is coming out. If you know (laughs) you want the film score to Ocean's Eleven. Um, I, of course... uh, have a copy of the Over the Top soundtrack oh, <laughs> starring yeah. Sylvester Stallone. You know what? The only movie soundtrack I personally own uh, is the Cobra soundtrack, which I've had uh, in my car since somebody mailed it to, mailed me a copy of the Cobra soundtrack. I know not who. Uh, and that's just the only... You know, listen, if it's not the dulcet, manly tones of Robert Tepper yelling about the angel of the city, just get the fuck out of my house. I have no interest in, in this movie soundtrack. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... so. So yeah, so how uh, what what is is that the ghoul shit that you've you've been consuming this week or is this the soundtrack to the ghoul shit? Believe it or not, it gets more ghoulish in, All right. in my musical uh journey this week. <laughs> Excellent. I Keep picked up a tape at my uh local record store and vinyl who <laughs> are uh really <laughs> dangerous for my my, my you, finances. You should uh, not have access to this place. I picked up a tape that is a uh mixtape of uh punk songs um Woods oh, sure. Creek Bop by the Ramones um Traveler by uh Iggy Pop right classic uh Astro Zombies by the Misfits but they're all dub remixes <laughs> wait what why why would they it's summertime it's white boy summer and what's a better <laughs> way to celebrate than to sit on your patio with a cold white claw listening to <laughs> dub remixes of holiday in cambodia (laughs) (laughs) listen sometimes it's like i listen to police truck or whatever and i'm like eh, that's fine but i can't really chill out to this (laughs) 
<laughs> like it's just I don't know the energy on this Dead Boys track is just it's a little aggro. I need it to I need it to calm down a little bit. Um, that's I will fucking incredible. say the Astro Zombies dub is pretty choice. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I I remember back in the day around like the mid 2000s, there was this huge cottage industry around, um, you know, you go to places in Nashville or whatever at like a record store and there would be uh, a record that's a compilation of bands you've never heard of. And the pitch for the album is always like Indulgence Incorporated, a tribute to Motley Crue. And it was like, all right, you are roughly three people who can play instruments and do a cover of Livewire by Motley Crue. Only it's, like, industrial tinge, and it's always just, like, I don't know, like, I, I haven't seen a lot of, like, the industrial tribute to, like, Bonnie Raitt or whatever. I'm sure <laughs> they're still out here doing it, right? Yeah, um, let's also not forget that there are officially sanctioned cover albums. Don't forget the Misfits released a lounge album by the Nutley Brass under the Misfits <sighs> moniker. It's, like, Misfits Presents this cover band doing fucking <laughs> elevator music versions of your favorite Misfits songs. You know, that's that's beautiful, actually, because part of me wanted to be like, man, Jerry Only's ruined the Misfits. But then I'm like, hey, you know how they're like the most iconic t-shirt design of all time and they sold out pretty much as soon as they were able to? Like, come on. Like, they, they might as well make a buck. Like, you know, Jerry Only is the Misfits at this point, and it's just kind of... You know what? God bless. You've been manning the company store since 1977. Go on then. Yeah, let's do Lounge Misfits, you know? You know, it's it's really unfortunate that the bass player for the band is the <laughs> one that decided to take over, uh, given that there's zero of their... You know, a band that's noted for their uh, crossover Elvis-inflected melodies... <laughs> Uh, they really no. translate on the bass. <laughs> you know what? Not the only crossover they've done, though. Have you seen what the Misfits did in the 90s in WCW? <laughs> Holy oh, fuck. I have. It is incredible. Apparently, uh, Michael Graves, who's a piece of shit in real life, uh, almost got into a fight with Macho Man Randy Savage, and he called him Mr. Man backstage because <laughs> his name is Macho Man. I think about that a lot, uh, but so, apparently, yeah. We also cannot forget that Vampiro is the through line that connects the Misfits to Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> yeah, Friends of Vampiro. That's, yeah. Also, yeah. the Great Muda was in the stable with Insane Clown Posse. So <laughs> it's kind of hard to make fun of them as wrestlers. Uh, they definitely have some some strategy. I mean, Sting was buddies with the Great Muda. You know, there we go. Some some people spray poison mist. Some people spray fago, and that's there's room <laughs> enough at that table for everybody. Whoop whoop. Um, speaking of whoop whoop, let's get into uh, one of the uh, one of the movies we're talking about this week. Uh, we are doing. Uh, we we got a screener from uh, Quincy. What was the uh, the company that helpfully provided us this screener? Our friends at Freestyle Digital Media sent us Witness Infection, which is currently available on cable, satellite, and digital HD release, as well as your standard um, video on demands, your iTunes, your Amazon. Uh, let's talk about how you can watch this on satellite on demand, Ryan. I, If you are out here watching satellite TV or using cable, I am in awe of you, and I'm impressed. Like, I can't imagine... Just like having a cable 
a, a box and just being like, I'm going to go channel surfing and just clicking through things and being like, oh boy, now that I'm on Comedy Central, I can just go over to E and just like <laughs> go there without you know, like... I've sat in my, my, I've sat on my high horse, and yet uh, over the holiday weekend, I visited mm-hmm. my parents, who still subscribe to cable, and found myself watching the hockey game on uh. the uh, rebroadcast. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's and just being the- transfixed. Also, I unlo- I um, raided my parents' uh, media cabinet and took all of their recorded on TV videotapes and found myself watching an hour of the carol duvall show from hgtv (laughs) the other night it's just something about early 2000s basic cable crafting shows it's It's, very calm it's like comfort food actually i'm right there with you like i think there's also when you visit your folks and they still have cable there's like a liminality to that because you don't live there anymore and you're just kind of passing through. So that's actually a circumstance under which you're like, you know what? I'm going to channel slurf, channel slurf, channel surf with my clicker. And, you know, you're able to do that because like you would never do this in, in your own life. But, you know, in that in that circumstance, I guess it's understandable. I'm convinced that diners, drive-ins and dives exists solely for people <laughs> uh, visiting family on holiday weekends like there yeah. is not a show that has a regular it cannot have a regular schedule it must only come on when someone is visiting their parents <laughs> exactly still have cable the 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 fiery locks of guy fieri are the are the conflagration around around which the family can gather i think like we can all agree while cupping his beautiful head in our hands that like this this will bring us all together during those those visits home so um, speaking of uh, meat sweats, let's talk about witness infection. <laughs> so witness infection, uh, the 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 plot of witness infection, the idea is that uh, two rival uh, Italian mobs from Jersey um, are uh, were both accidentally put into witness protection together in the same town in California together, and folks, they are just at loggerheads. Most of this movie, which is technically a zombie movie, is these two families yelling at each other. It is, it's like they walked into the pitch meeting and they're like, what if we did The Sopranos, but in L.A.? Yeah, basically. Now, I'm just going to uh, throw this out there. I am uh, a complete troglodyte. I've, I haven't seen uh, uh, minute one of The Sopranos. I never, because here's the thing. In a world with NBC Hannibal, why do I got to, like, for prestige TV, why do I got to go back and watch the Ur prestige TV show? Yeah, yeah. Um, to be fair, I haven't seen it either, but I've seen so many uh, Sopranos memes on Instagram. I've pretty much seen it. I think I can just yeah. say I've seen it. I mean, you know, at this point, if I watch The Sopranos, it's because I want to watch Joey Pants in a thing because I'm I'm like a weirdly huge fan of Joe Pantoliano and stuff. Like, listen, I know like a handful of things about The Sopranos, but then I saw Breaking Bad and I'm like, oh, that's like a better version of that where it's like, oh, there's a dude who ain't shit and he makes bad decisions and does crimes. And then I can watch that. Um, but the bad decisions and crimes that happen in Witness Infection are that it's like a lot of it, a lot of it is based around an arranged marriage between these families. Yeah, so there's like an, um, an effete, non... Is, is effete a problematic word? 
Oh, I don't know if that's problematic. I used I, I used it the other day and then had the same question of like, I don't know if that's vaguely sort of being mean about people who are sort of fey or mincing or if it's sort of, I don't know, like, you know, if you're like decadent, you know, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Huh. So it's about a um a, the the son the heir apparent of this mob mm-hmm. is he he don't want a mob he wants to be a veterinarian <laughs> yeah he don't want and a mob he's he like, just want to bang Dad, on the drum can all I just you know neuter and spay dogs all day please <laughs> all I want to do is fix dogs I don't want to fix fights I don't you know he's and and the problem is that he is engaged to marry this lady uh now most of the now I, I will throw this out here I don't there's a an extended fart sequence in this movie I don't think there has ever ever been a funny fart scene in a movie the first fart in this 90 minute film of farts is it 90 my heart sank and it never rose again because (laughs) they start from the beginning of the movie ripping ass and it doesn't (laughs) stop they're like yeah the the screenwriter's like you know what's funny farts and i'm like no not really it's not and here's what's nuts carlos alazraki has a co-writing credit on this and like Reno 911 was not very fart-filled. Not a lot of farts on Reno 911. I have a fondness for that show, also based around the early 2000s in cable. Yeah, and and um, now, to be fair, Jill Michelle Melian was on Mad TV, so maybe her half of the script is where all the farts came from. She just, like, <laughs> punched it up with farts. I mean, you know, Jordan Peele was on Mad TV. That's, uh, you know, that's he's got that in his cap. Um, yeah. But the farts in this movie, the, the idea is that um, I think the the uh, the contagion in this movie that turns people into zombies is localized within uh, meat from an Italian deli. And by the way, everybody in this movie is just constantly yelling like gabagool at each other. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think it's Mabron, like, gabagool, ah, pasta, fajoule. And it's just them yelling and they're all wearing tracksuits. Um, and, you know, I kept waiting for like the mob element and the zombie element to work together to give me something at some point. And it just, I Oil never understood. Just yeah. did not mix at all. It's like, uh, it's like a surfboard uh, attached to the top of a pickup truck. Like, it's just not like if they interacted in any meaningful way, that would be fine. But it's sort of like, Oh, we eat a de meat. It turned you into the fart zombie. Oh, <laughs> and it's like, that's a oh. spicy meatball. <laughs> You know, the spiciest meatball of all was human flesh. Um, <laughs> now, like, the, the the problem is that there are, like, a few things about this movie that are cool. I will say the practical effects are nothing to sneeze at. Oh, there is a uh, deer head that has been eaten by a zombie in this, and then it reanimates. It is chef's kiss, mamma mia, very good. <laughs> yeah, it's that's incredible. Uh, I like the fact that now um, I just finished uh, season three of Cobra Kai, and the uh, shit butt cousin of Ralph Mac- uh, Macchio, uh, who works at his car dealership, is in this movie. I feel like this guy, you know, actors from periods of time, like you watch like the late 90s and, you know, Joe Pantoliano, for example, is all over that fucking thing or like Clancy Brown in the 80s. Um, I think that this guy, he like he came out of a creepy crawlers tin labeled piece of shit Italian mobster guy. Uh, yeah, and Brett this Ernst is is uh, really good at being shitty and let's not yeah. forget that the the veterinarian son is robert belushi 
Robert fucking Belushi, yes, of those Belushis. Uh, <laughs> boy, howdy. When you're in a movie that Jim Belushi would not deign to be in, like, that's... We're in trouble, folks. Uh, he... Now, I will say, the performances in this, there are some fun banters between these families. Like, there are a couple of yeah. moments of, like, yeah, okay. We get Tara Strong. So, if you've ever seen any cartoon from the 90s uh she was the voice of bubbles from the powerpuff girls she was in rugrats she's fucking harley quinn in batman the animated series and she's in this talking about ripping another woman's tits off and like gobble ghoul i'm gonna make you regret stealing my husband i mean which is yeah wild to me it is great to hear harley fucking quinn yelling i'm gonna rip your tits off and you're just like all right tara strong like there, there are people in this. You are that a I... My Little Pony. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was she uh, Rainbow Sparkle? Uh, she is Twilight Sparkle. There we go. There I, I don't no know. From... There is no Rainbow Sparkle. <laughs> Idiot. I don't know. From... <laughs> I don't know who's that one. Orange Jack. I don't understand ponies. <gasps> I, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, but there are so many actors okay, in this so movie you that have I have to feel... know. Sidebar oh, to the sidebar. All of the ponies are different breeds of Apple. So there's Applejack. Their grandmother is Granny Smith. Mm-hmm. There's Big Macintosh. Uh, nice. Yeah. Pink Lady. <laughs> I'm, and, and, and then the problem is you get those three out of the way and then you're like, and this is my uncle, Golden Delicious. He wants us to call him that. <laughs> like, guys, don't talk to Golden un- Uncle Golden this Delicious. This is my please. Uncle Jazz F. <laughs> Yeah, I this is my like Aunt Jazz Gala. Apple oh, is the worst name for an apple because I got very excited that mm-hmm. I was getting something, <laughs> you know, mysterious, something that might have like drug related properties, like, you know, like Sunny's Blues. Like, I'm going to, you know, yeah. eat that apple and I'll be really good at jazz drumming for a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it's just an apple. No heroin in that apple at all. <laughs> None. Although, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased sidebar to the sidebar to the sidebar. <laughs> that as a culture, we have all like cumulatively agreed that red delicious apples ain't shit and we're not going to eat them anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're bad. They're so bad. They're like, it's like wax filled with bland mashed potatoes. Fuck them. Fuck, fuck <laughs> red delicious apples. Um, but I feel like all the actors in Witness Infection, like you, you sort of get the impression that they're all in their trailers on set on the phone with their agents just cursing them a blue streak for getting them in this fucking movie. Even Carlos Alazraki, who co-produced and co-wrote this movie Mm -hmm. doesn't want to be in this movie no no and you know and i I sort of appreciate because you know maybe in this gig economy you know like sometimes you sign on for a project you don't really care about but you're a professional so god damn it you're gonna smile through those fart fart scenes and you're gonna gabagool your way through it and make a movie called witness infection which this movie has i want to say 80 percent less zombie shit than I wanted. Like, I was down yeah. for, like, a gross straight-to-VOD zombie movie, and it just, it takes so fucking long for them to get to the zombie parts. And I think I might have been more tolerant of the potty humor if I got more gore. Mm-hmm. But there's not really yeah. enough. Like, like if you're gonna be lowbrow, be all the way low. And, and yeah. meet me at my base needs. But there's not really <laughs> much TNA. There's not really much gore. It is very chaste for a movie 
that's all fart fart gabagool zombies <laughs> you're totally right like if you're gonna be lowbrow you drop that brow to the fucking floor you know like if you're com- <laughs> if if you're if you think the human body is funny and i do too then you know take it beyond mere fart jokes you know make people <laughs> make people's bodies do terrible things explode them you cowards like yeah yeah i completely agree pinhead um, comes and just puts a finger up to the anus and go no you mustn't waste <laughs> that stop farting yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Honestly, I do feel like if anybody's going to fart shame you, it's going to be Pinhead while he's torturing you. Like, excuse me, like, I, I understand that you've lost control of your bowels, but this is really disgusting. I just, I need you to please have some self-control. Um, so we have to talk about Monique Coleman, who is, fuck. is known for the High School Musical franchise and Dancing with the Stars because of High School Musical. And she <laughs> yeah. is the fucking best part of this movie yeah she so she plays uh rose who is just the goddamn coolest part of this movie they so after um the farts have hit the fan and gotten all over everything uh and the uh, families are kind of running from the zombies and trying to fight them they stop at a bar uh and there they meet rose who is uh she's like sort of a throwback to like black exploitation heroes like pam greer yeah, she's got an afro, she is uh, in a leather jacket, she's got a pump-action shotgun that she's shooting at zombies over her shoulder without turning around, and yeah. she has an amazing uh, meta monologue where she talks about horror movie tropes and how she's not going to be the black uh, character who dies first, and she yeah. name-checks um, every amazing black actor in a horror movie. Uh, yeah like it's it's incredible like she talks about uh you know night of the living dead and one of them is like george romero and she's like i know who the fuck george romero is and it's (laughs) yeah like she's uh overflowing with fucking charisma and is too good for this movie um she's like when you go to like an out of the way gay bar for drag night and it's just like sad except for one performer who you're like were you on rupaul like you don't know how they got there but like she yeah she she steals the fucking scene in this movie i ardently feel that shooting a shotgun without looking behind your back is the coolest thing you can do it's very cool yeah uh but she you know she's got fuck all to do in this movie uh it 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 doesn't give her enough to do and it's just sort of when you know the movie wraps it's not even a tight 90 it's like an hour 25 minutes and even that you can kind of tell that they're like wheezing toward the finish line yeah, it's it's not really enough to... Yeah, it's an hour and 21 minutes. Hachimachi. You know what it is? If, if a movie is an hour and 21 minutes, it is either great and it, the exact little cheeseburger that I wanted, or that just tells me, like, fuck, y'all couldn't even manage that extra nine minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, you couldn't... Yeah, couldn't even do that. And yet, um, this movie felt like it was four hours long. Yeah, God, it felt like the Snyder Cut. Like, I was just staring. <laughs> like, I kept having to stop and go do other stuff. I mean, I it like, did have a lot of voice actors from the Warner Brothers animated universe. <laughs> yeah, I basically listened to, like, Beast Boy and Aquaman, like, farting on screen for, like, five hours of my life. <laughs> Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. Even the farts have Italian accents. Like, oh, <laughs> like it's, yeah. So let's, uh, let's throw it on the list. Um, yes. so looking at the list, uh, well, I'm gonna scroll down a little bit. I'm, I'm gonna keep it 100 with you. Um, 
All right, at number 371, Quincy, we have uh, the Halloween episode of WWE 205 Live that featured the Tricker Street Fight match uh, between Cesaro and Dean Ambrose, wherein Dean Ambrose jumps off the top turnbuckle to the outside while riding a witch's broom, and thus the coolest match of, of all time. Which do it we think is better? It also has Pretty Dece Tony Nese doing crunches with a pumpkin, <laughs> and the best heel work of his career, which is refusing to eat Halloween candy because yes. it will ruin his abs. He's perfect. You just be like, no! Like, it's it's such a great, like, I think homework is cool and I like broccoli levels of heel heat. Like, it's a yeah, Xanto with a Z from the, from the <laughs> South Pole. <laughs> yeah, doing crunches with, a, with pumpkins and throwing them at his opponent in the corner. Like, I feel like in good conscience, the thing is that that uh, episode of 205 Live brought me real and palpable joy in my life in a way that Witness Infection just did not. Yes. So I, I want to give the agree. edge there, but right below 205 Live at number 372 is the Benicio Del Toro version of The Wolfman at uh, 372, which was from 2010 and is basically a pile of shit, but it also had Benicio Del Toro in it, so there's that. Which yeah. do we think is better? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right under the Wolfman is another Terra Strong film, Batman ah. Gotham by Gaslight. All right, there we go, Gotham by Gaslight, which um, sucks, and also, you know, it was it, it was during that uh, boom period of uh, speculative Batman takes, where it's like, what if Batman was a World War One era submarine commander? Like, what if Batman was in a world where Poison Ivy is a sex worker who gets killed in the first five minutes by Jack the Ripper? <laughs> you know, those really <laughs> vital questions to ask. Um, that movie, they, they did My Girl Poison Ivy wrong, I feel. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we can. So it's definitely better than 373, Batman Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Wolfman has Benicio Del Toro, at least, in a way that, like, yeah, yeah this movie kind of just doesn't have a whole lot going for it. And, and I hate to think that the Wolfman definitely had some studio oomph behind it, but... Yeah, well, especially you know, because that I think was... there's really just like one scene with, um, and that's really it. Yeah, well, and it, you know, at least with the Wolfman, that was Universal trying to get their dark universe going in a way that, like, <laughs> goddamn, I don't know how you fuck it up that bad. But yeah, so I feel I feel good about uh, coming in at our new number three hundred seventy three above Batman Gotham by Gaslight and below twenty uh, tens The Wolfman is Witness Infection, which came out this year. And once again, uh, sorry, sorry I'm, I, I feel bad that we ragged on it so comprehensively, but um, guys, we really do appreciate the screener. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, giving and us that. And listen, if you are visiting your mom and she has cable on demand, <laughs> definitely rent this because it's either that or uh, that episode of Guys Grocery Games you've already seen. <laughs> You and your mom can both, uh, you know, listen, put on a dub cover of Astro Zombies by Misfits and watch <laughs> Gabagool fart fart zombies with the with the folks. And I think that's a perfectly fine Thursday night. Um, if that made it onto a poster, we could just end this podcast. <laughs> we don't have to do another episode. That's it. If that's the blurb, they could they could put that on the fucking on the Blu-ray. Quincy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How easy would you say it is to uh, have a website that anybody looks at without you directly putting it in front of them? Well, 
As someone who is trying to build a website solely for the tie-in wrap for Maniac Cop 2, it's pretty <laughs> difficult. It's pretty hard to get web traffic. Yeah, you really have to put the Maniac Cop 2 tie-in wrap in people's hands, you know, physically going door to door to try to get them, you know, to, to, to learn about it. Um, but apparently there is a better way. Uh, Quincy, are you familiar with Little Business Library? No, tell me more. Let me inform you. They uh, are a website that helps promote uh, your business. Uh, you get a 30-day free trial, um, and it's only $4 billed every month. And what they'll do is they will promote your business. They will uh, promote your portfolio. Uh, they will get your name out there, which I think is pretty nice. Yeah, that's incredible uh, because it is exhausting to self-promote 24-7. Oh, it truly is. So you're going to want to go to littlebusinesslibrary.com. Uh, and again, they uh, you can cancel at any time. Uh, and they uh, will work with you to get the most out of your business, especially if that business involves uh, selling bootlegged VHS tapes out the back of your car. No longer. <laughs> No longer. You can have Little Business Library distribute your bootlegged copy of Pumpkinhead 2 Blood Wings. <laughs> <laughs> so go, uh, guys, go check out uh, littlebusinesslibrary.com and make it happen. Um, yeah. So yeah, go 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 ch go check it out. Um, but so the other movie we're talking about this week, Quincy, I had never seen this before. This is sort of, I feel like nobody outside of the horror community really talks about this thing. It um, is terror in the aisles yeah from 1984 uh and terror in the aisles which now to to preface this quincy is this a documentary technically it's a documentary in the way that josh zeman's killer legends is a documentary which is this thing happened and it's just like this film that we're going to show you a clip <laughs> from this is speaking of RuPaul's Drag Race. They did basically the same. So uh, this uh, current season is um, still unfolding, and they really want to do a live show uh, for the finale. But obviously, COVID is still a going concern. And so there was an episode of RuPaul that was just like um, a clip show about like coronavirus. That's a thing that happened. Boy, twenty twenty was a weird year. And I'm like, can we please get back to the fucking drag queens? Like I. <laughs> This was definitely RuPaul's awful ass, like, fishing for another Emmy by, you know, doing this thing. Um, and Terror in the Isles is, it's not quite a documentary. It's, now, it, so being from 1984, this is, I think, right when, because now, as you know, horror has always been popping, but around the mid to early 80s, it was having a goddamn halcyon period. Yeah, and a lot of this was because pretty much every studio realized, um, there is this booming home video market and the demand is there. So we're just going to pump out everything. Yeah, completely. And so this video thing now, what this movie is not kind of related to Quincy, we were um, so in the uh, early 2000s, if you went to uh, let's say that you're at the uh, Rivergate Mall and you went to Suncoast and you were looking through the horror section and you saw a, a videotape labeled boogeymen and it's like you know you've got like thumbnails of all of the classic slasher monsters on the front um i remember boogeymen fondly at my local blockbuster <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember i god i was like 14 years old sitting on my little straw mat in my bedroom watching boogeymen on on vhs and it's just it's like a compilation of sort of like and here's a kill from wishmaster and him like fucking a dude up or like here's chucky killing a guy with a ruler or whatever and it's kind of like that but what it is is that there is kind of somebody steering the movie and that person 
is goddamned Donald Pleasance, who played Dr. Loomis in Halloween. So good. Uh, and, and, I mean, he's got a British accent, so the gravitas is kind of halfway there. Yeah. But they just put Donald Pleasance in... This, this documentary takes place in a fake movie theater with youths watching a movie <laughs> man can we talk about these youths who are like 50 years old if they're a day we're like oh <laughs> oh no it's the monster and they're like yelling at the screen well you know we at the start of the movie we get a spooky movie projector and we get a donald pleasance you know sort of voiceover and we watch um the the you know sort of it's interspliced with scenes from like first of all uh, the heavy hitter horror movies i don't know how the fuck they got the rights to show clips from like Alien and Halloween and Jaws and the thing and all these like classic movies. Um, I think they just did they just have like carte blanche to show clips from fucking whatever they wanted? I don't know if they just kept yelling fair use until they got hoarse <laughs> or if it's just like it I mean, the one thing this movie does is it sells rentals because I mm-hmm. immediately uh turned this off and started looking up what I could rent immediately and what I have to like do some searching for. Exactly right. And to be fair, now this movie does also have kind of an auteur uh, leaning to it because um, there are voiceovers by Donald Pleasance where it's Donald Pleasance and motherfucking Nancy Allen herself. Yes. Um, (laughs) The whole thing, by the way, does have its own complete score. If you look on YouTube, there is also a movie score for Terror in the Isles. And what it is is that it's trying to pontificate about why we like horror, what you know, what themes there are in horror, how it responds to cultural anxieties, um, and you know, a thing that Donald Pleasance keeps saying is uh, it's only a movie, but sooner or later it's time to go home, and then it cuts to like Halloween with like, yeah, I get it, the night he came home. Thank you, Donald. Um, like he's you know what donald pleasance he will show up to your ribbon cutting at ralph's he will do a voiceover for your audiobook like i i I love so much that he's just like a goddamn capital w capital a working actor yeah Um, so i picked this up on blu-ray because i had heard about it being a big deal in our in our horror movie circles um being the kind of thing that you know, I mean, in an interview, Drew Marvick, uh, on our show, Drew Marvick said he had this on tape and it was one of the movies he would bring uh, when he was like watching movies. So imagine like showing up at a sleepover with this. It's the best parts of like a dozen movies that you probably wouldn't want to sit through anyway. Why would you want to yeah. watch uh invasion of the body snatchers where you could just watch the two really gross scenes from invasion of the body snatchers <laughs> that's what it is this movie is uh the equivalent of like when you look up uh val kilmer tombstone scene supercut on youtube so that you don't have to watch tombstone but you can watch him as doc holiday it's like, basically tumblr before the internet yeah, yeah, all killer no filler like some well, i mean there is filler in terms of the pontification because like I don't know. Maybe I don't need uh, Donald Pleasance asking me, like, but why do we like horror movies? Like, yeah, remember, you heard it here last. Like, yeah, it's weird. We like horror movies. Um, but it's also what it goes into is, uh, you know, the, 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 the sexuality of movies and the, the, the cultural anxieties. There's a bit in this 
where um, Nancy Allen sort of takes over for Donald Pleasance and she's like, you know, in these movies, uh, you know, you're not allowed to fuck because something terrible will happen to you if you're a sex worker. I do appreciate that a movie uh, or that a, a movie that a, a video in 1984 was like, hey, Horror movies have a weird fucking relationship with killing sex workers. What the fuck's <laughs> up with that? Yeah, and they're like, and here's a supercut of a bunch of prostitutes being killed. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Now, I, I also love that Nancy Allen gets this really cool line where she's like, young or old, we go to the movies to see our dreams and fantasies come to life, but not all of our fantasies are wholesome. Where it's like, yeah, all right, Nancy Allen, hell yeah. Um, now, we also get Donald Pleasance talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and he, he pronounces the name Ed Gein. Which oh it 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 rankles me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I was I was like get like it together. Nails on a chalkboard. I just <laughs> yeah. It's Ooh. like Ted, it's like yes, him and Ted Bundy. Like come on, <laughs> Donald. Like can you take this seriously? He's probably like three sheets to the fucking wind for the duration of this movie. Um, now, what I do love about this movie is that watching all of the, the uh, so all the stage scenes of um, a captive uh, middle-aged teenage audience responding to the horror movie. During, the, during those the scenes, I... Street I, Tough, who is is silhouetted when the, the killer comes on screen and everyone's like, oh no, watch out for this guy. He's <laughs> like... He looks like Henry Dean Stanton in Lucky. He's just like <laughs> a desiccated husk yes. of, a, of a marvelous man i'm a ghoul yeah it's incredible <laughs> we also get um so during you know they're, they're showing scenes from horror movies and sort of pointing out that like yeah you know audiences respond in real life to horror movies the way they don't exactly do it at like you know dramas or comedy that you've got people sort of you know yelling at the screen like no don't go in there i think my favorite i don't know if this was an ad lib or what this was um, they show the scene in Halloween where uh, Laurie uh, stabs uh, Mike, Michael Myers in the neck with the needle and then collapses against the couch. And then he somebody yells, don't drop the knife, asshole, when she drops it. Um, and and Donald Pleasance yells at the screen like he's never spoken above a whisper in a movie theater <laughs> in his life. And the right. giddy joy on his face of, like, I'm doing something naughty. Yeah. I mean, it's the same face that he makes in Halloween when he's like, get your ass away from there. And then he just beams in the dark, <laughs> like, I just verbally assaulted a child. That was awesome. Um, and and I mean, they feature you know, that clip in this documentary as well. They, they do. I, you know, I my, my belief is that Donald Pleasant stipulated, like, you have to put in there that part where I said, get your ass away from there to that kid <laughs> in Halloween. That there stays in also, or I walk. In addition to the Henry Dean Stanton uh, zombie street tough, there are uh -huh. these two other dudes. And one is smoking a spliff and the <laughs> usher walks up to him with a flashlight. Like, you know, usher's... Have you ever been to a movie theater where an usher is patrolling the theater with a flashlight? I actually wasn't. Uh, that was my first job uh, was at a movie theater. And when I was uh, on usher detail, I definitely have interrupted some horrifying things with my flashlight when I was like please. 15. Ryan, please gusher for me. Oh, this was um, specifically there was. Oh, God, I remember it was during a screening of uh, Deuces Wild of all fucking movies. <laughs> And uh, there were like four people in the whole theater and my manager kept being like, I need you to, you know, listen, pay attention to what's going on there. I've got a weird vibe. And I kept going in. 
this this young lady kept trying to give her date a handy during the movie, but like not even under a hoodie or a blanket or whatever, just like in front of or God a and everybody. Popcorn bucket with a hole in it. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason it's like a classic. You sell popcorn <laughs> buckets with a hole. In, yeah, that's ex- yeah, cock porn. Uh, I, and, and that was the problem. Was like I kept. You know, flashing my little my little mag light over there and just going like, guys, please, I don't. I just kept seeing that guy's little wiener winking in the dark of the theater, lit up by Deuce's wild. It was just like, I'm just trying to get through this shift. I smell like nachos and I want to go home. Please stop trying to jerk your friend off in the theater. Like, it was yeah. So that was I. You know, I did have a flashlight during that. That was the one. But I, I've never had anybody flash a flashlight at me in a theater. Well, this guy is smoking a spliff, and, and his reaction to getting a flashlight is he fucking flips it with his thumb into his friend's popcorn bucket, and his friend, while the flashlight from the usher is on him, just puts that motherfucker in his mouth and sparks <laughs> it up. Fucking power. Like, that guy rolls harder than hard, harder than you do. It's... <laughs> There's that stuff, and then there's also, we get the guy talking to... We, we You know, we get a clip of when they're talking about how cool special effects are. And you best believe they show the entire wolf transformation sequence from American Werewolf in uh, London. It is agonizing how long they spend on that uh, transformation. (laughs) It's like most of this movie's runtime. And I mean, like, to be sure, the entire time watching it, I was like, yeah, it slaps. All these years later, it's still a thing of beauty. But I'm also like... Yeah, I know, guys. I've seen the fucking movie. Please, can we, you know. But they, they go from that Show to... more of the thing. Show more John Carpenter clips. <laughs> when are they going to get to the thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they they show the, the head explosion from Scanners, and then when they show that, they cut to a street tough um, in a little bandana. By the way, all of the street toughs look like the, the street toughs from Friday the 13th Part 3, where... I was thinking Sha-na-na. <laughs> <laughs> Or the band Sha Na Na. Um, you know what? I, it's unconfirmed. Was Sha Na Na the group of street toughs in Friday Part Three? I, you know, nobody. It's, it's. I've never seen them in the same room. Um, but you know, he turns to to Donald Pleasance and he's like, after they had explosion from scanners, and he's like, "How'd they do that?" Which is great because that's you know. And then Donald Pleasance looks at him and then looks at the camera and says, "That's the trick. Whatever you see is out of your control. You're at the mercy of the filmmakers." Like. That's not a fucking answer, Donald. Like you couldn't just be like <laughs> foam latex. Like come on. Like you're not. You're 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 spinning riddles for me. And this 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 young man who is 58 years old and wearing a bandana deserves some answers. Um, now this movie also features prominent clips from the Jaws sequels as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I I don't know. Like the the, the thing about the Jaws sequels. They're all either forgettable or terrible. Like, Jaws 2 is basically fine, but nothing to write home about. And Jaws 3 is incredible for very different reasons. I really <laughs> I really wish that they had just shown when they were like, yes, the magical world of special effects that can transport you to a terrifying place. And then they just showed, like, the, the scene where the shark does not move, but drifts very slowly toward the glass in, in, in front of the camera and then just crashes in front of it. Where it's just like, like a barge, <laughs> like just the least terrifying scene of all time. Like they do that. And they also show a lot of, um, they, they devote a lot of time to Alfred Hitchcock, uh, yes. descri- describing shit. And actually this shit was fucking riveting to me. Yeah, it was really good. It was, and also that was archival footage, 
But it's shown as if it's an interview for this documentary, which is very clever editing. Yeah, I, I think it's that the film quality was bad enough for the straight-to-video release that it, like, took this old footage of Alfred Hitchcock, you know, talking about his process and was just like, you know what, we're just going to give him the same little sidebars we give everybody else and just make it look like, you know, he decided to sit down with us in 1984 and, like, rap about art. He says a thing that I really love, which is that he doesn't care about content in his movies the way a painter doesn't care about whether the apple he's painting is sour or sweet. It's about <laughs> style. And I'm like... I mean, I'm biased because I think the content does matter, but I love Alfred Hitchcock just, like, going, yeah, who fucking cares what it's about? It looks cool. But you know what? Given the ending of Psycho, checks out. Totally yeah, checks know, out. Trust the process. Like, if you're Alfred Hitchcock, <laughs> fuck yeah. All about the style, baby. Um, now, he, now, the thing about Alfred Hitchcock is when you listen to him talk, he always, Quincy, do you remember uh, ages ago when they took those uh, ads for Apple with like Jeff Goldblum and they slowed it down by half and he sounds drunk as hell? <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock is that where he's just like, you know, we, uh, if you put a bomb under table and it blows up immediately, your audience doesn't care about it. And it's just like, I don't know, Alfred Hitchcock, I always feel two ways about him because on one hand, I'm like, love your movies, love Hitchcock stuff, big fan. On the other hand, you're a bad person, and you treated your actors terribly, and I, I, I think you specifically are a rotten fucking turd of a man. He but... also didn't have a belly button. What? He... What? How? What? How? He had so many tummy tuck surgeries because he, he had problems with his weight that they tucked his belly button out of existence. Christ on a... Can you imagine waking up and your fucking navel is gone? that is that is body horror like that's not i that's holy shit well you know what you lose your belly button you lose your humanity i guess he he got that tummy tuck and was just a huge fucking prick to all of his stars (laughs) that's and they they could tell they knew that he didn't have a they they knew that he didn't have a navel um we also get uh, donald pleasant sort of you know waxing rhapsodical about um how horror owes itself to villains and we get this big uh, montage of like Damien from The Omen, an evil Santa, the psychiatrist from Rosemary's Baby. Um, and I thought this was kind of neat because it's sort of like, yeah, a villain in a movie can be basically anyone, I guess. Sure, Donald Pleasance. Um, we do get, um, there's a movie in here that I've never seen before, but I know that it features Sylvester Stallone and Rutger Hauer. Quincy, did you recognize that movie? I was desperate to know what it was. I cannot find online a second-by-second breakdown. Now, Mm -hmm. fortunately, I bought this on Blu-ray. There is a commentary track by a uh, film scholar. I'm hoping I will have time, and he will just say, by the way, this is what that movie is. By the way, this is what that movie is. (laughs) That's all I want it to be. Yeah, I'm also completely sure that this movie used up the entire first 15 minutes of When a Stranger Calls with Carol Kane. Um which is the only good part of that fucking movie anyway, is the first oh, 15 sure. minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely, you know, harvest that mine, I guess. Uh, but we also, I love that we get Nancy Allen uh, talking about how, you know, we're usually uh, alone with our vulnerability in horror, that, like, it's about being by yourself and vulnerable, and then, you know, points out that it's almost always a woman, and we get sort of, you know, scenes of, like, Wendy from The Shining and Laurie from Halloween 2. Um, I also love how much play Whatever Happened to Baby Jane gets in this movie because of how much I fucking love that movie. It's It's got a lot of screen time. It's so much. Great. 
I mean, you know what? Be- Betty Davis and that fucking makeup, you're going to want to splash that as like all over everything if you can, movie-wise. Um, I-, I do appreciate, by the way, that it's Nancy Allen who does the sex part of the movie and not Donald Pleasance. Yes, it was a very good call. <laughs> I really don't want the uh, austere voice of Donald Pleasance going like, and then young men want to get their dicks wet in movies. And it's just like... <laughs> You know, I like that there's like a softer touch with Nancy Allen talking about it, and I don't have to have Dr. Loomis give me the birds and the bees talk. Um, the Now, so much of this movie is basically a clip show, but Quincy, does this movie have something to say about horror? I'll tell you, it has more to say about horror than um, Stephen King in Dance Macabre. <laughs> I mean, Which that's I mean, it's not a huge reach, but it's pretty impressive. I mean, yeah. I mean, I do appreciate that it's trying to... I mean, it's doing what, you know, a lot of horror filmmakers do, which is, what's up with our obsession with horror? Why do we love it so much? And, you know, trying to interrogate it from that point of view. Um, But it does end with a um, song on the soundtrack that is one of the stankiest songs I have ever heard (laughs) in my life. This song is double butt cheek. It is like, uh, it's like an original song for the soundtrack that's like a guy singing over like what sounds like sort of a, a light rock song. Um, it's um, it's Tim Curry uh, singing about Halloween in the worst witch <laughs> levels of uh, vocalization. Your dentist might turn into a queen. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. It's like, it's just sort of like, ah, Halloween happens and there's horror and I like it when the shark kills the people. And it's just like, you know, happening over a series of images. Now, I will say, I do think this movie does a fucking cool job of cutting things together. Like, you'll have, you know, the the lady from The Omen jumping off the roof and hanging herself, and that transitioning seamlessly into, like, somebody rising up off of a bed and then going back down again to cut with the next scene. Like, there was some intentionality placed behind, you know, why they cut different things with different things. It's not just like... We're talking about monsters. Here's a Frankenstein and throwing that out there. Like there is, I think, a direction to the way that the scenes are cut together. It's like a really, yeah. really good mixtape. And and they also get real buck wild in the the back uh, third because they start just <laughs> saying like, here's a bunch of gorillas. Here's just a whole bunch of movies with gorillas in it. Boy, it is, yeah, I I don't know what it was. I feel like they, they got the rights to the gorilla horror movies and got all the way to the end of the thing, and they were like, hey, man, did you get that B footage for the song about the guy who likes it when the shark kills people? Like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, uh, just put him, you know what, bottom load all of them, two-headed gorilla, just put it at the back of it, and no one's going to notice. It's fine. Um, it's a two-headed gorilla. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, listen, it sells itself. You got a two-headed gorilla. Um, so yeah, I mean, so I, I'm, I'm here. I want to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. Now, another thing I do want to say, I do really like that the Nancy Allen sections of Terror in the Isles, I like that when it's Nancy Allen sort of cutting a promo and being like, you know, if you're a woman in a horror movie, there's no one looking out for you. You can't depend on the authorities to keep you safe, you know? And then it cuts to the scene in When a Stranger Calls with Carol Kane being on the phone with the police and the police just being fucking dildos and her being like, no, seriously, come over here, there's a guy who's been calling me, and they're like, well, you know, just give us a call if he calls again. And she's like, no, he's gonna fucking call again. Would you get over here now? Um, And I do like that in 1984, especially because um, 
I mean, it's 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 like a conversation that if somebody it's like fighting words. If somebody wants, you know, if if somebody is like, you like horror, isn't it pretty misogynistic? And it's like, yeah, no, like it's a bigger conversation about tropes and about the way it handles it. But I I thought that was kind of cool. So it's not for naught that it was written by Marjorie Doppelt. Yeah. So, so a woman is actually uh, breaking down this film. Yeah, which I think makes sense about why it's actually asking questions about horror and it's not just like Donald Pleasant's voice, here's a stupid asshole with a knife coming through a window, just like every five seconds. Like it's there. Yeah, it's it's a lot smarter than I thought it was going to be. Like I, I straight up just thought it was going to be the compilation video Boogeymen. And it I don't know, I'm probably going to watch this again. Like, oh, yeah, I'm very happy I purchased this on high definition. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and let's be real. Like, Donald Pleasance is an actor who, if he shows up in something, I'm probably going to watch it. Like, yeah. I, I respect the hustle. Okay, can we talk about how Gene Siskel gave this zero stars? <laughs> and I just want to shove him in a locker so bad. <laughs> See, you know, I will say I'm an Ebert loyalist. I always take Ebert's side when they disagree. And I feel like Siskel... I mean, I respect him as a critic, but agree. Like, I'm like, shut up, nerd. Like, I just want to, I just want to shake his lunch money out. If he, <laughs> if he were not dead, it would be, it would be weird because he's dead. But yeah, yeah, so agree. You know what? You don't do have you to shove him this... in a locker. He's already in a coffin. Uh, there you go. There so where go. do you want to put this on our list? Well, goddamn. Looking at our list, uh, let's start with. Speaking of Roger Ebert, because I'm thinking about him, uh, a movie that he liked and had no explanation for why he liked it so much. Uh, at number 240, we have The Devil's Rejects from 2005. Um, Whoa! Yeah! So which do we think is a better movie? Uh, Terror in the Isles or The Devil's Rejects? One is barely a movie, and the <laughs> other is Terror in the Isles. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I You know what? I... I <laughs> I like Devil's Rejects, but you're, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Devil's Rejects, but I hate myself for liking Devil's Rejects. You know what I mean? Like, it's my, my, my complicated uh, relationship with Robert Zombert. Um, I do think so here in the right above the Devil's Rejects is Horny Ghost Movie High Spirits at number two thirty eight. <laughs> oh man, High Spirits, which fe- features motherfucking Peter O'Toole. Um, I, you know what though? If I'm if I'm neck and neck, I'm putting a, a Peter O'Toole performance over a Donald Pleasance performance. Okay, is what it is. Um, but right above High Spirits at number two hundred and thirty-seven is I Know What You Did Last Summer, which I am fond of that bad movie because I think it is so of its time, and I feel like. Terror in the Isles understands horror in 1984 as well as it could have in a way that, like, by the time we get to I Know What You Did Last Summer, that's a movie that's had so much history behind it to just go, you know what, here you go. Here is one standard unit of 90s teen slasher. And in a way that really, really works for me. Yeah, so right under High Spirits and right above Devil's Rejects is Bloodbeat, which Mm -hmm. is, as we know a French filmmaker went to Wisconsin and had a samurai <laughs> sword, so he made a horror movie about it. God God bless. I will uh, say Terror in the Isles is more cohesive and um, coherent than Bloodbeat. <laughs> you know what? It, it has something to say, even if it takes it a while to find it and you have to dig a little bit. 
I love Bloodbeat, but I do I do agree. I think Terror in the Isles has a stronger voice and is more. I, I was more a- easily able to follow it from beginning to end in a way that with Bloodbeat, I kept sort of looking around like, what the fuck am I watching? Like yeah. So so right under High Spirits and right <laughs> above Bloodbeat. Uh, yeah, our new Terror no, in the Isles. Our, our new, new two thirty nine. Hell yeah! I feel really good about that. And also, guys, uh, if you if you haven't gotten the uh, ultra plush uh, Blu-ray like uh, Quincy has of Terror in the Isles, it is up on YouTube for free. So you can go and watch uh, Donald Pleasance talking about some Frankenstein's uh, pretty much for free on YouTube anytime you want. Um, yeah. All right. New number two hundred and thirty-nine. Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Uh, they can go to our podcast home, uh, FaustianNonsense.com, where you can check out uh, links to our list, um, our merch page, and uh, the other shows on our network. We're also on social media. We're on Twitter at RankinVileCast and on Instagram at RankinVile. We have a very inactive TikTok, but uh, <laughs> if you want to go find that and make us viral from the the TikToks we posted like four years ago that would be much appreciated yeah. those sweet um, sweet tiktok dollars <laughs> we're on letterboxd <laughs> yeah we uh yeah we're just about everywhere you'd want to uh look for podcasts and podcast material guys i also want to keep you apprised of later this month uh, on the last friday of this month uh we are going to be having our first ever rank and vile movie club um i don't know what movie we're going to talk about i'm excited to find out uh, if you have a movie that you um, would like to log on to Zoom with the, the rest of the community and talk uh, with us about that movie and, you know, get a Tombstone pizza, get, a, get, get some mug root beer, um, and uh, yeah, let us, let us know which movies uh, you uh, are going to want to talk about uh, later this month. We also have a Patreon. Guys, we've got, we've got so much stuff. We've got merch over on Faustian Nonsense, so go, go on and check that out if you have a moment. And if you have a second and you want to rate us on your podcast app of choice, or even if your podcast app doesn't have a rating feature, if you want to just tell someone about us, that does way more to help the show than you could ever imagine. It really does. Like we, 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 we do this largely through word of mouth and we love all of you guys. We love the community. Thank you so much for, for listening to this, to this show we do every week. Um, but that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later folks.